you lead in any capacity in a church, especially if you've planted a church, uh, this is one of the biggest needs that I come across as I talk with church planners is that's finances in the church, raising money in the church. But first, I just want to kind of introduce you to Brian. And so, Brian, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are, what you've done, and what you do now. Good. I live in Orange County. I live in Orange County, California, uh, just down the way from here. Is that better? Good. I live in Orange County for the third time. Seven miles, seven miles from the beach, which is kind of nice. Uh, and I've been a pastor in Southern California for a little over 20 years now. Planted a church um, 13 years ago in the northern Los Angeles County area. It was called Copper Hill Church. We didn't plant Acts 29 because I'd never heard of Acts 29 when we planted it. It was in its early stages at the time. I came out of Huntington Beach, planted in uh, L.A. County, and then we became Acts 29 probably about two years in, which was quite a long time ago uh, in the Acts 29 network. Then I served on the board of Acts 29 for a number of years and, and, and led the, the West Coast region. A few years ago, we relocated. I pastored that church for nine years. A few years ago, we relocated to Louisville, Kentucky, because it's a lot like Orange County, California, and so <laughs> we, we went back there, and I grew a huge beard, except it never grew. And, um, and, I, and I spent three years working with Sojourn Church, co-founded the Sojourn Network, uh, which some of you guys have heard of. A year ago, we moved back to Southern California again. Our, we have two teenagers and then two younger kids, and felt like we wanted to get our kids reintegrated back into home. So now I really do three things that are all, that work together. I serve as a part of a staff team at Pacific Coast Church in San Clemente, which is on the very southern end of Orange County, where you stop to buy your rainbow sandals as you drive through at the uh, factory outlet there. And then I, 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 tra- I recruit, train, fund church planters. We give out four $90,000 funding packages for church planters every year uh, as a part of an organization that I, that I lead, and we fund church planters in Southern California. So that's fun because it's spending somebody else's money and funding church planters while doing that. And then I also spend a good chunk of my time working with churches and leaders. So I coach about 25 leaders at a time, I coach some of the larger, uh, work with some of the larger churches in the country and some of the larger past church pastors in the country at helping them build systems and, and train them to do more effective ministry. So, I, so a lot of you in this room I know because I've worked with your churches and helped you do things more effectively. So yeah. that's it. Well, we appreciate you being here, man. And uh, we appreciate what you do for Acts 29 too and helping lead the area there in Southern California. And so a lot of those guys are looking to you. And so... Thanks for taking the time. So uh, let's talk a little bit about uh, church finance and money in the church. Um, So what are the kind of challenges that you're seeing uh, as you're talking to different pastors that they're facing in church finances in the church? Okay, well, originally I thought, I wonder if people are going to come to this because it might feel boring. Some of you might say, I don't want to think about money and I don't want to think about finances that might feel really boring. But my my guess is that if you're leading in a church, Finances are a constant source of wish we had more. Uh, we never have enough to do what we want. Why don't people give more? I had a couple conversations with a couple of you at dinner last night who said things like, yeah, we started and we, we a lot of us planted churches and we came out of churches that talked about money and giving a lot. And so we were never going to pass an offering plate. We were going to trust the Lord, put a basket in the back. We're going to hide that basket under a tree so that, <laughs> so that people couldn't find it. And uh, we were going to brag about how we never preached on giving until we got kicked out of the school. 
and we're trying to figure out where to meet, and we didn't have any money in the bank. And so I spend, <laughs> I, you know, I spend about 15 hours a week on the phone with pastors, I, you know, and, I, and so constantly. And then I write blog posts after that, uh, after those conversations about the common topics that I'm discussing with pastors. And what's a really common problem is that everybody feels like, why don't people give more in our church? Why, you know, and so this is addressed maybe in more, <laughs> can I get an amen with that? <laughs> so this is, you know, this is addressed in, 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 forgive the language, but maybe more pragmatic circles more than it's addressed in our sort of theological tribe sometimes. So, so mm -hmm. what I want to say to you guys about this, and then Harvey and I will kind of dialogue about it because they have a quite, uh, uh, I think, successful financial strategy here at Living Stones. But what you guys need to know is that charitable giving is alive and well and robust in America. All right, in fact, I have a little statistic here to read you. $316 billion was given to charities in 2012, but church giving is way down. So when you read those statistics, like people are still giving. You might say, well, yeah, there's not as many Christians. There are not as many people in churches. And so, so I, I want to give you a few things today and dialogue with you about a few things that you can think of. Whether you're a church planner just starting out and you've got 50 people, 40 people, or, or maybe you, you have 2,000 people in your church, and you're saying, we, we, need, to, we need to teach people to be uh, giving more effectively. The first thing I want to say to you is, think about the biblical piece. And I have six things that Harvey and I will dialogue about here. Think about the biblical piece. The first thing you need to make sure and do in your church is teach what the Bible says about giving. And do that unapologetically and without fear. You know, some of you need to probably stand in front of your people and repent for never preaching on giving. Now, I, I remember I spent two years preaching through the Gospel of Luke, and I realized there's so much in the Gospel of Luke that I've basically run away from biblical truth and led people to believe that this particular issue is not integrally attached to their discipleship. Mm -hmm. So one thing you've got to do in terms of the biblical piece is you've got to make sure that you teach your people what the Bible says about money and possessions and, and stewardship, and you've got to make sure and teach that. Yeah, I think that's, we've seen that over and over again, and most of the time the response is, when you just say, this is what the Bible says about giving, this is what Jesus says about giving, I mean, what are they going to say? If they get upset, then they get upset. But you've been a faithful preacher of God's Word, and, um, and then they have to respond to Jesus or not to respond to Jesus. And, and that's your calling. You have to make disciples. And then I think the other thing I'd say with that, too, is in the church, we don't raise money. We make disciples. And by making disciples, money comes in. Because if you're making disciples, you, the church will be funded because disciples will end up giving their money to the church if you're teaching them what the Bible says about giving. So that's on the biblical piece. Write that down. Agree. Number one, the biblical piece. All right, write it down. There's six things you before you leave, solve all of your financial problems. Never have to worry again. <laughs> Get a raise, a little bit. All right. All right, so what about the practical? All right, the practical piece. So remember, this is six things you can do to, to effectively shepherd and disciple your church in biblical principles of stewardship. So the second, the second thing would be the practical piece, okay? I've been really surprised at how many younger churchgoers, especially if you're planting a church and you're reaching people, they have no idea that the church needs money or where it goes or what happens with it. And we're afraid to tell people that because many of us have come out of churches where we've been scrutinized and 
We're afraid when a person starts to ask questions. I remember early on, about a year in to our church plan, a guy called me and he said, hey, can I sit down with you so I can ask you a few questions about where the money goes? And I, man, I was, I was ready to fight. You know, I was like, here he comes, here we go. And he, he walked in and basically he said, so you know, my wife wasn't a Christian two years ago. She just became a Christian. She's the one that does the family budget. And she doesn't understand giving. And his question was totally innocent. He wanted to teach his wife, this is what it looks like for a church to have finances and to give and, and, and where does it go? And so I want to say to you, modern givers, all right, modern Christian givers aren't likely to offer you blind trust the way that they once would have. No, I'm not saying that you have to put the whole church budget in the lobby, like every line item, here's what I get paid, here's what I spent for lunch last week or whatever. But I'm saying you, you need to figure out, rather than being defensive, especially to newer Christians, how to educate them concerning how resources are going to be allocated. All right. Now, again, let me say this. I would not suggest that you're rigorously specific with everybody. I don't think it's wise, In my, this is my opinion, some disagree on this, but I don't think it's wise for every person to know what every person gets paid and all that sort of thing. Amen. But I, but, but, but I do think it's good for you to consider, teach what the Bible says on money, and then educate people, especially newer Christians who don't understand the practical, sort of pragmatic aspect of what does the church even need money for. Yeah. Yeah, as far as one of the things that we do on the practical is that we do a monthly report. And uh, I just do it at the beginning of my sermon <clears throat> uh, once a month. And I take you know, 10 minutes at the beginning of the sermon. So we just plan it into the service. And I just tell the church, here's what's going on in the church. Tell a couple stories of a couple conversions or maybe a leader that stepped up. Uh, different things that are going on in the church, different needs that are going on in the church, different financial things that are happening in the church. Just making people aware of what's happening in the church and what the needs are. Because just putting that before the people and then at the end of it saying, okay, here's some ways that you can, here's where we're at financially, here's the ways that you can give. And just putting that before the people once a month has had a serious effect on our giving. Churches are notoriously bad at communicating. So people don't normally understand what's going on. And so practically, it's just helpful if you let people know this is what we did last year. This is what we were able to do in missions. This is what we're able to do in our community. This is, this is who we were able to bring in. This is the ministry we're able to accomplish. Just highlight those practical things. Yeah. And what I'll do with that is I'll take, uh, we'll highlight a different area once a month. So, you know, we'll highlight what we're doing with church plantings. Church planting, we'll profile a couple of guys that we're helping to fund. And here's what some of the money is going towards in church planting. And then the next month, we'll highlight. Here's what we're doing in the city, and we'll highlight that, and then so on and so forth. And that way, people get a big picture of what's going on in the ministry. So, Good. Number three, the reminder piece. Biblical piece, the practical piece, the reminder piece. This is, I seldom see a church do this well. All right, so churches often fail to keep giving in front of people. We're embarrassed about it. We don't want people to feel like all the church ever does is talk about money. And so... People, people are forgetful regarding giving. Uh, do you bring your checkbook to church? I, I don't even know where my checkbook is. I'm not even sure we have a checkbook. I think my <laughs> wife writes checks for my son's basketball league and stuff like that. But most people don't show up with a checkbook. If you, if you don't remind people, sometimes people aren't failing to give because they're defiant. Sometimes they're just forgetful. Hmm. 
And if you don't keep giving in front of people, so, so I, I've got three quick steps I'll just give you here, all right? So a person who doesn't give for months, by the way, here's another thing you need to realize. When a person doesn't give for months, they don't normally make all that up. What do they do? They just go, oh, I guess I better start giving again. So it's like, oh, I forgot to give for three. People will say that all the time. I forgot to give. But they just start right where they left off. And so if you don't keep giving in front of people, sometimes it's just sheer like, thanks for reminding me to keep this front and center. So uh, just three quick things you can do. Uh, many churches don't send regular giving statements. Send a regular giving statement, especially as a church plant. Don't just send out an annual statement. Send out a statement once a quarter and say, thank you so much for your contribution Here's what you might write a letter and say, here's what, your, here's what your contribution has done. In the first quarter, we were able to support two church planners. We were able to do this. Thank you for your contribution. So the second thing is, mention giving weekly, whether or not you pass an offering plate. So a lot of you don't pass an offering plate. You might be a church plant, you decided not to do that, or baskets or whatever you use, those things that you like hand down that you try to flip over with the wooden handles on, right? So a lot, even if you don't do that, mention it weekly. You might, you might teach on it for a minute weekly. You might say, now, and I would say, don't do this off the top of your head. If you're a pastor, how long do you spend preparing a sermon? You probably spend 10 or 12 hours in sermon prep in a given week. So don't just get up off the top of your head and take a minute and say three silly things about giving that are ill-planned. Think about it. Take a minute. Instruct people a little bit. Mention it weekly. And then also, make giving easy. This is super practical, you guys, but... Make giving easy by encouraging people to set up online giving profiles. So I know that's really practical, and not everybody loves doing that. Some people really feel like, no, I want to come, I want to offer, I want to I drop my check in, I want to offer it as a part of our worship. But there are a lot of people like me, for example, I'm a systematic kind of thinker. I want to systemize that. And so if you make it easy to say, hey, you can give here regularly, there's all, you guys that are church planners that are younger than me, most of you, you can figure out technologically how to pull that off. So find ways to keep it in front of people. Remind them. Uh, mention it weekly. Send out regular giving statements. And then, and then look for ways to help people set up online giving profiles. Yeah. <clears throat> One of the things that we do, every, we take an offering every week. We didn't used to. And then we were like, let's just, <clears throat> we, we had serious conversations among the elders, decided to take an offering every week. Our giving went up, uh, taking an offering every week. We, it was a, Good idea from the, for multiple reasons. And then every week when we take the offering, we put up here on the screen, we put up the, all the ways that you can give uh, at the church. So even when they're taking an offering, here's the other ways that you can give. And then we'll often mention it as well uh, when we do it. And then the other thing we'll do with the reminder piece is we'll use social media. And so through our Living Stones, Twitter and Facebook, and there'll be things going out on social media that will just be a tweet with a verse about giving and then um, a, a link to our giving page. And that will just go out. That's just keep putting it before people's eyes because they forget. Yeah, cool. All right, number four. You ready? The membership piece. All right. In your church membership process, which I'm assuming that many of you have church membership. Okay, so if you have church membership, which you should because it's biblical. But anyways... Uh, if, you have, if you have church membership, sorry, Calvary Chapel, uh, can, 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 and I live in Orange County, so Orange County is Calvary Chapel, right? It's one and the same, all right? So uh, consider, laying a, uh, consider laying a foundation for financial giving in your membership process, okay? So 
This is a great time to instruct people and teach people how to give. So add giving to the commitment that a church member makes when he or she joins the church. So this is a great time for you to instruct them. You can, you can expect things up front that are harder to expect later. Okay, so let's say, that, let's say that you do membership interviews. A lot of us do that. A person wants to be a member. Maybe you have some sort of membership class of some sort. And then in order to become a member, maybe they need to meet with an elder or something like that. And you do a membership interview. And, and a lot of us learned that from Mark Dever, what, 15 years ago, where, where, where we want to make sure that a person understands the gospel and maybe has been baptized. That's a great time to say, but membership here, this is what it includes. Like you're a part of a family. And I've got four kids, and we're constantly saying to our kids, my kids often ask me to pay them for things. Will you pay me for emptying the dishwasher? <laughs> and I'll say no. Why not? Because you live here, and you ate all of that food. That you know. So <laughs> you're part of a family. So you participate as a part of this family. We clean up on, you know, once a year. So uh, we all participate once a year in cleanup. That was a joke, but anyways, it didn't go over very well. So anyways, uh, all that to say, in your membership process, communicate Communicate that. We're a part of a family. This is what giving looks like. We commit. We partner together to give. All right? And then uh, in your membership interview, discuss and explain giving for a church member. Look, you have no right to hold a person accountable for something that you've never communicated. It's like, it's like expecting your child to obey you when you've never told them what the rule is. So when a person comes in in your membership process, tell them, hey, this is what giving looks like. This is what the Bible teaches. You've, you've not only preached on it. But you're also reminding people you've made it easy, and it's a part of your membership process. What yeah. do you guys do here? Yeah, well, to be a member here, you have to commit to uh, several things, and one of them is giving. And we actually even follow up on that, and we do giving checks. So if somebody's not giving and they're a member here, we follow up. And they, here's the beautiful thing. One, uh, keeps our giving consistent. But two, when we do those giving checks and we do those phone calls and the pastors call amazing shepherding conversations come out of those because you call them about giving and then you know what happens is a conversation comes up about something they're going through or maybe a conversation comes up about how they're struggling with their budget or a hundred different things happen uh, from a shepherding perspective so you're more effective shepherds when you do those sorts of follow-ups anyway and it does provide for the bottom line as well for the church so uh, it sounds kind of ruthless. It's like, man, to be a member here, you have to give. And if you don't give, we're going to call you. Yeah. But on, what it does is it actually makes us better shepherds of the church. I used to be doing. a member here until I got that call. <laughs> <laughs> cool. You mean to go on? Yeah. All right. Number five. There's only, only six. Number we five. We actually kicked them out. but Yeah. Uh. They required 28%. It's Old Testament style. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> the, number five is the commitment piece. Now, this, now, now I'm, I'm reaching a little farther with this one. By the way, my hope for you in this session is that you might not take all six of these things and do them, but maybe just take one or two things and go, yeah, we got to go back and discuss that and think a little bit more about that. This is something that I'm seeing some churches do. And you might say this isn't for us, but several times lately I've seen churches near the end of the year ask people in the congregation to make an annual giving pledge for next year. All right, now, it's biblical, right, Leonce? Because in the New Testament, we see the apostle, we, we see, decide in your heart what you're going to give. Mm. Yep. Decide, make a commitment. Now, I, 
when, when I first planted, you know, I sat down with 20 people in our launch team or whatever, and I, I didn't really want to talk about money. Boy, it'd be very different if I planted today. It'd be scary if I planted today. But, it, <laughs> but, it, but if I did, I would not hesitate to ask people to make a giving commitment. Because the reality is, is we want to be here a long time. And we're not going to be here a long time unless you help fund the ministry here. And so what I see oftentimes is, is churches saying to their members, you might just consider something like this. Hey, will you let us know? Like, teach on this and say, this is, this is New Testament here. Will you let us know what you think you can give next year? Think about that. Uh, make a commitment. Decide. We can give $500 a month next year. So that's something you could consider in terms of asking people to do that. It, it would look like this. Set your annual budget in the fall, planning on growth for the next year, assuming most of you probably have a regular budget rather than a fiscal year if you're a smaller church. Communicate the annual budget to the congregation, November-ish, all right, something like that. And then ask people to look at what they're able to give next year and write down a monthly commitment. Now, you have to be a vision caster to do this. Mm-hmm. You, you can't, people, don't give, people don't give to need, they give to vision most yeah. of the time. And so you've got to be able to stand up front and say, here's where God is taking us next year. And if you're a pastor, if you're a church leader, you, you hopefully have prayerfully thought that through. Where's God taking us? Here's what it's going to cost. Consider being a part. What, do, what can you do next year? Mm-hmm. All right? You, you ever seen anybody do that? Yeah, we do that. We oh, there do you go. Every, he uh, didn't even tell me that. So. Yeah, probably the same, similar time frames. And then one of the things that we always communicate, and, and this is true of all of our pastors, is every year our pastors and their wives get together, and, and we consider upping our giving every year, the pastors first. And um, so me and my wife do that every year, and we pray, and we Say, okay, how much are we going to up our giving? We always want to up it a little bit. So whether that's a percentage or half a percentage or something, we want to make sure we're pushing ourselves in giving every year. And then we go to the church and we say, okay, God is continuing to move and God is, and here's where we want to go as a church. Me and my wife, we have considered this. We prayed about this. This is what we're, we're going to do. We don't give the numbers necessarily or the percentages. But we've considered we're upping our giving, and we're asking everybody else to do that too because we believe God is going to do some things next year. And that's part of that whole like being out ahead that I talked about earlier, that we know where we're going next year, and this is where we, we've prayed and we've sought the Lord and we think that we're going this direction. And in order to do that, it's going to require all of us sacrificing, Acts 2 type of stuff. And so um, let's all sacrifice. And it begins with the leaders. And so the leaders get together. We're going to sacrifice first. We actually do elder, you know, check on our elders giving, check on our deacons giving, check on our members giving. And we, and we know what everybody's giving in those categories because we, we think it's important that the leaders must set the example in those things before we ever dare go before the congregation and say, so... We do that exact thing, but we start with the leaders. Cool, and that's number six, is the leadership piece. Now, let me repeat these for you, just so it's clear, and then we'll, I'll, I'll hit on number six briefly. The biblical piece, teach what the Bible says. The practical piece, make sure pe- people understand what finances look like. The reminder piece, look for ways to keep giving in front of your people. The membership piece, number five, the commitment piece. And lastly, the leadership piece. Now, how can you ask people to give if you don't first model giving? Now, I, kn- I know that this is sticky because in the olden days, okay, when my dad was pastoring, church leaders didn't look at giving. And there's probably a lot of you guys in this room that you don't want to know. You don't want to discriminate against the person because they don't give. 
and you don't want to really, really treat a person well because they're a big giver. And, and that's, that's noble to do that. However, sometimes giving has become so sort of taboo that you've got five men on elder teams and three of them aren't giving. I cannot tell you, and I've coached hundreds of leaders in the last few years, I cannot tell you how many men have called me in, in, in a coaching relationship and have said something to me like, I just had a call last week, a, a pastor of a very large church in the Western United States who said, we just did a capital campaign for this new piece of property and found out that several of our elders didn't give a penny to it. Well, you know, what do we, what do, we do about that? And so just know you as a leader, first of all, as a leader individually, I'm talking to you first just personally, okay, you've got to model giving or you can't get up and ask people to give. Right. What you're, what you're doing, you can't do, you can't ask people to do what you don't do. Sec second, I would say consider how you'll treat this among your leadership team. For example, when we had eight elders, I realized that to, I, I, I asked my assistant to get me a report of what everybody was giving. This was like six years into the church. I knew it was going to be scandalous. I knew it was dangerous. I just decided to do it. So I, I looked at all the elders giving. Now, I talked to a couple of our other guys first to make sure that I wouldn't get fired. So I, <laughs> I, I looked at all of our elders giving, and there were two or three really problematic scenarios on that elder team. And because I hopefully am a little bit better leader today than I was then, uh, I was just like, what? You know, we can't, you guys have to, you know. And, and, I, and I realized from that point on, I would never let a person lead in our church who hadn't already first. Like we would look at their giving, make sure that they were faithfully invested in the mission. Mm -hmm. Amen. You yeah. cannot lead on the mission if you're not invested on the mission. Right. So just make sure that you personally, you might have a secret sin down here where it's, you're, you've got this greed issue and you personally don't give. And then second, you've got to consider what kind of culture, leadership culture, because anything you're asking the congregation to do, you better at first have a meeting with your leaders and make sure that you're all doing it. Yeah, amen. Yeah, uh, amen. Yeah. Totally agree with all of that, and that's, that's where it all starts. If there's going to be generosity in the church, it has to start <clears throat> with the leaders. I think that the lead pastor, the lead elder, has to set that example first, and then it goes, elders have to all be on board. And we do the same thing. Um, before anybody's considered elder, deacon, even community group leader, we go, even a community group apprentice, first thing, let's check their giving. If they're not giving, nope. And um, because that just demonstrates where, where their treasure is, there their heart is. And that demonstrates who they are and where their uh, motives are and where it demonstrates so many things. Um, and uh, it also has proven, it just, it's proven so many things over the years. And uh, it also is taking care of the church as well as we've done that. So, good. I anyway, appreciate it, man. Thank you. Everybody thank Brian. Thank you. <clears throat>